says, too, it's not I that lives, but Christ. And you know, we that's what um, should be our attitude. God's trying to make us look like Jesus from the inside out, and and that happens in a so, in a, so many different ways. And so, what we want to do today, let's resume the the theme that we had on a few of our messages, and our guest speak our guest speaker had last week as well about inner strength, being strengthened on the inner man. And so I want to just read a couple of the verses that we had looked at before, and then we're going to go to this third passage where we're going to preach today. So let's first go uh, to Ephesians, and we'll read that uh, a few of those verses there that Pastor Metzler had preached again for us, not knowing that we had looking at it, and he did a good job encouraging us in this prayer. Let's read some of this, and then we'll read briefly part in Colossians, and then we'll stay the rest of our time in Philippians, okay? So again, we're talking about strength in the inner man, being strong in the inner man. Ephesians chapter 3, again, this is at the half approximately of the chapter is a prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, and Paul is praying it for these Ephesians, and he says, let's just read verses... Uh, 14, 15, and 16. Ephesians 3, verse 14, 15, and 16. I'll just read it out loud there. You can follow along. Ephesians 3, 14, Paul's praying, and he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Let's just read verse 16. Together, verse 16, begin, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Paul, Paul's concern Ephesians uh, wasn't all their physical things and it wasn't their, their financial things. It was their spiritual strength is what he was concerned about. And that perhaps contrasted with perhaps the interests of so many Ephesians that may have came to church that day before they heard this. Maybe they were all worried about their money. They were all worried about their physique, and they are all worried about their health. And as they letter to the Ephesians read for the first time, they see what the apostle of God is most concerned about is that they'd be strong on the inside, from the inside out, in the inner man. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, it's a similar prayer. Colossians chapter 1. And there's, we're not going to read the whole prayer, but let's just do 9, 10, and 11. Colossians 1, 9, 10, and 11. And again, this is a local church as well in another area. Colossians 1, verse 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. So this is, a, again, a rich prayer. Strengthened to what degree, to what, uh, to what purpose, to what end? On the, and I believe this is speaking of inner strength too. Why does we need to be strengthened? And what would be the evidence of our strength? Colossians 1.11, what's the evidence of being strengthened by God? Unto all patience. Well, I don't have patience for that, but I have patience for this. 
Paul's saying that we should have, that, that we should pray for ourselves. He's showing that he does this, does this for the Colossians. That we'll have patience in all kinds of things, strengthened with uh, his, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and what? Long suffering with joyfulness. Long suffering with joyfulness. That means you're, you're, you're enduring something really difficult and you're not just enduring it, but you have an element of joyfulness. How could somebody be like that? How could, how, how could somebody be enduring some difficulty, some disappointment, some injustice, some discomfort, and yet still have a joyfulness, a tone of joyfulness in their life? How could that be? Because most of us that are long-suffering, we indeed can be long-suffering and say, I put up with this for years, and we're just a grouch for years. But you were long-suffering grouch. But he's saying we should have... This, is, this almost sounds spiritual. It almost sounds like something the Holy Spirit would make create and that it's not of you. So strengthened unto all long-suffering with joyfulness. Charity was funny. Um, a few, let's see, it was a, I don't know, a few weeks back, we went to a game, and um, one of John's games, John and Chris, basketball, and it was in South Phoenix. It was a school. It's actually isn't, uh, one of two private Muslim schools, um, and uh, it looked like a little bit of a compound going into it. So no metal detectors or anything, but there was a little mosque. And so anyway, and uh, they, they won a pretty tight game. But I remember going in there, sitting in there with Charity, and she usually is pretty good at sitting with me during basketball game. And I had my jacket on, and she was just a little more sluggish, you know, not as lively as she usually is. She usually gets into, you know, the games and stuff. And, and uh, she was sitting there on my lap, and, and the game was going, and she just was kind of like cuddled, kind of like just cuddled into me like this. And she'd watch them run back on one side of the court, Watch on another side. She was just being a little more subdued. And I was like, you okay, pumpkin? You know, and I thought she, I, she was basically coming down with something that night. She was sick for a few days after that. And uh, she was just going like this and back and forth, just kind of. And then one of the, even a couple of the people that were around me are looking at her and like, is she okay? She's not feeling well, you know? I was like, yeah, I don't know. I think she's coming, literally, like right now, coming down with something. And so she was just kind of like sitting like this with me. And whenever something would happen, you know, most of the time uh, when she's at a ball game and the cheerleaders will do something, she'll usually try to start clapping and stuff. You know, Actually, she goes like this. This is how she claps. And so um, the cheerleaders might do something and she'll go like this. Or, or the ball, if the, the opposing team makes a point and she hears people clap, she's clapping, you know. Our team makes a point and she hears people clapping, she claps, you know. She just likes to have a reason to clap like this, you know. And so, but this time she wasn't feeling good, and she was just like this, and she was cuddled up kind of like this around me, and she was just kind of eyeballing it just like this, back and forth. And when the, when the boys made a point, she just, everybody started clapping, and she goes. <laughs> I was like, that is so cute. And then another one made a point, and they made, and she goes, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, and she goes. It's just like the cutest little thing. So I don't know if that was her way of having long suffering or joyfulness. I don't know, but uh, you know, there's a there's a there's a way when I think we there's got to be a way where 
even if you're enduring something that you don't like for a long time, that you can still have joyfulness. There has to be. I mean, Paul had it. Other people in the Bible had it. And, and now we're saying that if we pray for God to make us strong, strengthen us on the inside, one of the evidence of that is that you'll be patient for things that you're not normally patient for. And you'll have long-suffering with joyfulness. And so that was a message we preached. And now let's go to Philippians, which you're probably right there, Philippians 4. Now let's look at this, and we'll, we'll work on this passage a little bit today. And uh, it's another passage about having strength. The key word is strength. And the place of the strength is not on the outer man. The place of the strength is the inner man. So that's our concept here that we've been working on. So Ephesians, pardon me, Philippians 4, let's read a little bit more of the conversation that Paul's having here as he's speaking to the Philippian church. And Paul's in prison right here. He's writing in, from a prison, and he's not writing a sob story and a woe is me, and you should feel guilty that you're running free, and I'm stuck in here. He's not writing like that. He's, he, has a, he has a tone of joyfulness himself. And um, so here we go, Philippians 4. Let's begin in verse 9, and we'll just read through verse 13. Philippians 4, 9, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now, at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, as you look at this passage, let's back up a little bit so we can appreciate really what he's saying. Verse 9, he's telling the Philippians to copy him. You know, we follow and say, I follow the Lord, I don't follow men. We follow the Lord, but sometimes God gives us men on earth to give a good example of that. Me, The things that have taught you, both, look at verse 9, those things that you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. The things you, the way I live my Christian life, copy that. And the God of peace shall be with you. So as we're reading about Paul's saying, I can do all things through Christ, and as we're reading about Paul saying, I've learned how to be content, that wasn't just for him to have a nice testimony and we can say, nod at it. It's also that, hey, we need to do that. We need to have his attitude. Those things which you have both learned and heard and received and, and seen in me do. Now, then he, verse 10, he talks about a need. Um, verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. What's he talking about there? He's talking about the con, uh, kind of a, in the context was, where is he? He's in prison and he needs things. There's basic needs at times. And um, the Philippians wanted to help him. Send them a gift. They couldn't get them out. Send them a gift. They couldn't. They lacked opportunity. But now as he's, there was a visitor that came from that church and he was dealing with them. And so he comments on it. You know, I know you lacked opportunity to help me before, but now you, your opportunities come up and 
and uh, your opportunity to help me has flourished. It's like your, your gifts of love have blossomed, and, and I'm very thankful for you sending a gift. In fact, he talks about it in verse 18. I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an order of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He's picturing whatever gift, whatever thing he got from them was like, oh, that was pleasant and that was a blessing. And it's looked at as a, as a beautiful offering to God. So that's what he's talking about in verse 8, pardon me, verse uh, 10. He says, that, that was really nice. But then he says in verse 11, however, if I didn't have it, what he's saying, I have to learn to deal without. It's not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So he's saying, not that I'm saying I completely am devastated to have nothing. I've had to learn. I've had to go through, I didn't learn this in seminary or in a synagogue or whatever. I've had to just learn in whatever state, whatever position, situation I'm in, therewith to be content, therewith to adapt. I've said this before, but do you know some of your vehicles? As I used to be able to work on more, more when I was younger. I wasn't a mechanic per se, but... I was, the older cars are easier to work on, by the way, of the engine and stuff. Now, what are they? They're, a lot of them are computerized and stuff. And that's a good thing in some ways. But did you know a lot of your vehicles, if you go to a higher elevation, a lot of the vehicles, are, 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 they have programming and chips and all this stuff that I don't understand. It automatically adapts to a lack of oxygen. Where, and then when you come down in elevation, because your, your vehicle needs oxygen to mix with the fuel to produce combustion. And if you go to a higher elevation, it's a little bit less oxygen. And there, there's, a, there's ways where those carburetors and those fuel injectors adapt. They know, okay, less oxygen, so they increase certain things. And the heat, when it gets real hot, your, your fuel might be hot. So there's ways your engines and the computers automatically adapt to whatsoever state it's in. It learns to be adapted. It learns to be content. And that's what the word content means. It doesn't mean I don't want to achieve anything in life and I'm a bum. I'm happy being a, a couch potato. No, it means whatever I'm dealing with that I can't change, I'm just going to have to adapt. I've learned because he can't get out of prison. He can't order anything on Amazon and he can't have internet this stuff and entertain himself. And He's like, I've just had to learn to adapt. Be content. The word comes from the word autos, auto, the self, adapt. That's what it means. It doesn't mean to be passive. And then he says he's learned some things, verse 12. And this, this is leading to the idea of strength. Verse 12, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Let's look at verse 12. Listen to this word. This would, this would kill most of us, this first phrase of 12. I know how to what? Lose. I know how to be abased. It's not hard figuring out that word. It comes where we get the word basement. I know how to be put in a basement. The word abased means to be reduced, to be made lower, to be put lower in rank. To be humbled. Paul didn't say, I've naturally known it. He says, I've had to learn how to be made humbled, humbled, and be put down. I've had to learn how to be demoted. The great Apostle Paul 
has had to learn how to be the not so great. I've had, because it's, it's, he's become into situations where it's like, I don't want this. Well, I have to learn to adapt to being humbled. I've learned how to be put in a lower rank. I've learned how to abound. Look what he says next. Flourish. Some people don't like success. Some people don't want to have something success or to have something um, blossom. Ah, I don't know what to do with this. Paul says, sometimes I've had to do, maybe go into a church and the church just blossomed. Well, I'm going to have to deal with this. Or going into a situation where instead of everybody hating him, everybody likes him and he has to manage that. I've learned, or, or go into a situation where he only had one shekel two months before. Now he's has abundance and he has to manage it without managing it unwisely. He says, I've learned how to be put in the basement and I've had to learn how to be put up in the, uh, on the stage. I've learned how to deal with a penny and now I've had to learn how to deal with, you know, more, abounding. Have we learned how to deal with flourishing, deal with success, and deal with apparent failure? Paul says, I've had to learn how to deal with those things. We're, just follow me along here. Verse 12, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. All right, you need to learn with dealing with being full. Okay. Hungry, you got to learn to deal with being hungry. I'm instructed to be hungry. Both to abound and suffer need. I got to deal with that. How? I can do it. I can do all those things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That verse means more to me when I hear everything Paul says before it. See, the verse often we use, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, for at least when I was first heard it as a teenager, athletics. I mean, I remember going out in this church, before I came to this church for a short time, the church had like a bowling night, and they went. I remember knowing that verse a little bit, and I was like, I can do it. I quoted it to myself. I mean, it's better than nothing. I don't, by the way, I'm not saying you shouldn't use this verse in sports. That's fine. I can do this through Christ. You know, and, and uh, I never was that. I think the highest I ever got in bowling was 180. You know, I, I got very impatient. I'd be like, I'm, I'm bored throwing it the same way. This is boring. I got so bored throwing it the same way. I mean, it would have been boring to got, get a 300. So sometimes I'd lob it, boom, boom. <laughs> You know, but I remember being there going, ah, oh, starting quoting that verse, you know, and so that I thing, um, you know, I, you, you see, it's okay if you want to use it in sports, but that's not the primary thrust of this verse. Let me ask you this. Let, let's talk about our physical abilities because it's, it's, we don't live outside of the human body. We're living in a human body. I got to be strong. You need to be strong. You need to feed your body. You need to rest. We're physical beings. What do you do? What do you do when you know something's coming up that's going to demand your strength physically? What do you do? Let's have an example. Is anybody planning to run a race anytime in the next year? Maybe one of us. Anybody going to plan? I remember one year, Adam, brother Carnes, and I ran a 5K. He could 
blow by me now. I mean, he could fight. He was wanting to run a marathon, I think, at one point. But uh, we were going to run a 5K, which is only 3.1 miles. You know what's really nice about that? When I go to the end of my street in my neighborhood, at the end of my street, I calculated, and once I start running right to this church, it's 3.1 miles. I was like, yeah, that worked out good. And so when I was 39 years old, uh, my wife, and she could at the time outrun me as far as not speed but endurance, we both started running a little bit, not that much. And uh, one day before, I think it was on, or was it before my 40th birthday? It was around my 40th birthday. Excuse me. We both ran from the the church from our house here, and nonstop, and we ran our 5K together. You know, and um, uh, we even when I came to a light, I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to stop running until the okay walk. Okay, you know, and so we we did that all the way from our house to here in 3.1 miles. I did my 5K. You know, and then eventually they had, I think that the next month is when Adam and my wife and I ran a little 5K over here at um, Freestone Park. And so in order for me to, for me, not you, maybe some of you could do that easily. In order for me to be able to have the strength to run a 5K, I had to strengthen myself. I had to strengthen myself and I had to start running ahead of time. I did a little bit off and on that summer, just a little bit of running around my neighborhood and not too much, but I did some things to make myself strong in order to meet the demand of that race. How do you meet the demand of, you know, playing a sport? I mean, if you're going to play football, you got to bulk up. I mean, some of the young guys in here that they don't know if we have any football players maybe in the past, but if you're going to play football, you got to bulk up a little bit because it demands it. And so you strengthen yourself for that physical uh, that demand on you of physical strength. You have, if you're going to be a running back, you have to be strong enough to bust through a line. And uh, if you're a defensive line, you have to be strong enough to throw a guy aside or turn around him and have different techniques to get to the quarterback. So you have, you make yourself strong to meet physical demands on you. Now, what about this? This is where it's going. What other kind of demands are going to be on us from here forward in your life that aren't physical? There's going to be a demand for you to be patient. There's going to be a demand for you to get through temptation. There's going to be a demand for you to have to deal with disappointment. There's going to be a demand on you to be able to deal with less funds than you wish you had. And it, it's like, how do I deal with this? How are you going to make yourself strong now? You can't pump iron, push, pump iron and run around the block to do that. How are you going to make yourself strong? You see, that it comes upon you. Those non-physical demands are coming upon us more and, and can devastate us more than physical demands that we sometimes get around. How are you going to make yourself strong? You don't. I have to say, through Christ, what strengthens me. Christ must strengthen me to meet the demands that are in front of me, and he must strengthen you. I'm amazed, again, at how sometimes we are, we, we um, put emphasis on strength in so many other areas, but not emphasis on inner strength. And in, at this point, it's something you, we, we pray for and we trust God for. That's what we've already seen in Ephesians 3, Colossians 1, and Paul's just declaring it 
in Philippians, I can through Christ. The implication is he's trusting Christ. He's depending on Christ to strengthen him. I want to just, before we get into more of this, we maybe we'll just split this message up. But again, when he says, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What is it talking about? It's talking about, I can. He didn't say, I can win through Christ merely. He's not saying, I, he's not just saying, I can be a success. He's not just saying that part. He is. But he's also saying, I can deal with being down. Through Christ would strengthen me. I can deal with being humbled. I find it that I've, I've realized that some people aren't strong enough to be humbled. Because Christ has to strengthen you to be humbled. Some of us aren't strong enough to be uh, submissive. You're too weak to be submissive. Because you have to have somebody else make you strong enough to be submissive to authorities in your life. You think you're strong, but you're actually weak. And that's what Paul's saying is, I've had to submit to, un, I've had to, submit to uh, providential circumstances that I couldn't have any, I couldn't really do much about. Well, all right, then I've had to learn to be content in this time here in the prison or this time here uh, in this city where I'm dealing with these hostile people. Christ strengthened me as I'm being a base in this town. Or he's had to say, God, strengthen me in order to, uh, manage this floss, blossoming church or whatever it is, about a, a base and abounding. This verse is not merely just for sports. How many of you have seen a shirt that says, I can do all things? Anybody seen a shirt that says that? Okay, at first I'm like, that's a pretty cool shirt. I can do all things. I thought, that's pretty good. But it's... It sounds, really, well, okay. Sounds kind of secular now that you just, I can do all things. We don't just say that. I don't just say, I can do all things. That's humanism. That's what Lucifer said. I will. I will. I will. That's it. (laughs) No, you won't. So it's not, I can do all things. If you're going to get a shirt like that, Put Jesus on it because that's where it matter, That's what matters in it. He says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This is not, Paul's not saying I can do all things as long as I'm determined and have a strong personality. He's not saying I can do all things as long as my situation, my circumstances are ideal. The circumstances were not ideal. Paul's not saying I can do all things uh, because I'm just that, that's my personality. He's saying through Christ which strengtheneth me. So let's just think about ourselves. What is it that we can do through Christ? Christ, let's just, I'm just going to say some things. That means I can do my finances through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Sometimes you're abased in finances. Sometimes you're abounding in finances. Some people, like I said, are afraid of success. Ah, what are you going to do? All this attention. They're both attention on you. I can, do all, I can do finances through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Some of us are wrapped up in our family matters and family issues. I can do those things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Some of us, we have maybe dealing with our own spousal care and spousal responsibilities. You can do, all, you can do spousal care through Christ which strengtheneth you. 
parenting. I can do my parenting through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Temptations. I can do temptations through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Awkward situations. You know, I, I'm hearing this, this word awkward is showing up so often nowadays, it's just awkward. Everybody's awkward. People always say, awkward. Pastor, you're awkward saying that. I know. And you know, I'm noticing people avoid stuff if it's slightly awkward. You know why? Sometimes people are just proud. If you have, if you have a responsibility to go talk to somebody, and it's your duty to talk to them, who cares if it's awkward? If it's your duty to go meet a stranger, who cares if it's awkward? Get over yourself. You can do awkwardness through Christ which strengtheneth you. We can do uncomfortable situations sometimes through Christ which strengtheneth you. I can do trials through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can deal with a loss through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can deal with a win through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can deal with abundance through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can deal with lack and learn to adapt for the time through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can witness for, for the Lord through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can live Christ in a godless culture through Christ which strengtheneth me. I, it is, that's one thing we always we get when we huddle together as Christians. We're like, it's bad out there. All these godless people. And it is. We could spend a lot of time talking about the godlessness increasing. And the, the let's have a godlessness report. This is what I heard lately. And we can just talk about how bad it is. But the bottom line is, the Christian life can be lived in any day, any time, any country. You can still live the Christian life. It may have to be adapted. It may have to change a little. But I can live for Christ in a distinct way through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So I can do all these things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Watch this. And I can do nothing of value without Him. Because He says in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5, And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. This is the kind of trust we have. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who hath made us able. Able ministers of the New Testament, Paul goes on to say. So do you see that we, it's possible to be made strong for something that you're normally weak over through Christ, which strengtheneth us. I'll just, I'm going to just answer this last question and we'll try to wind it down. So here's this. How, let's ask this question here. How does Jesus strengthen me? How does he strengthen you? How does he strengthen us? What are the means? We'll do, I'll mention these three, and we'll move through this. For all things, number one, what are the means by which Jesus strengthens us? Number one, He strengthens us with His words. He strengthens us with His word. Now, that's in, there's scriptures. I'll just mention one. There's many, but Psalm 119. Look what the psalmist said, how God strengthened him. How did you be made, how were you made strong? Psalm 119, 28. It says, Psalm 119, 28, My soul melteth 
Oh, boy. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. He's saying the thing that he's melting. So he needs God, a word from God to make him strong. Paul had this happen to him. I can't remember the scenario. I think he was apprehended somewhere in something. And he said, the angel of the Lord showed up and, and, and strengthened me and encouraged me. I'm paraphrasing. God's word strengthened Paul. God's word strengthened this psalmist who was melting like, you, you know, butter in the summertime. His soul was. The inner man was. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Would you go, how many of us, how many of us have ever physically fainted? I'm not going to make fun of anybody. I almost did it. Oh, actually, I did. I can tell you another story. I think about Some of us have fainted. That's no fun, fainting, huh? Now, how many of you, just real quick, part of it, part of it was, was uh, food or drink. Is that one of the reasons, part of the reason? Okay. Okay, raise your hand, anybody? All right, part of it was food or drink, yeah. So if you don't have enough food, enough drink, or if you're dehydrated, you know, there's different scenarios where you might just faint. Okay, so what do we do then? We're making sure we're eating every day and drinking and staying hydrated because we want to keep from fainting. We want to eat every day and we don't go without eating so that we can stay strong physically. But why do we go without His Word? Do you go without His Word? If you do, why, why, then of course you're going to be strong, weak in the inner man. I'm going to be weak inside if I'm not feeding this guy. This guy's fainting all the time. Oh, I can't handle this. Oh, I can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't. The inner man needs to be fed something that's physical. And it's a spiritual word to be fed on that word. And Second Peter talks about that milk you should have. And Hebrews talks about it being meat and so on. And, and the psalmist talks about it being sweet to make him, give him delight. So he strengthens you, he strengthens me, with His Word. And so we need to trust in that for our strength. How many of us believe in the Metro bus system? You believe it exists? How many of you, raise your hand, do you believe the Metro bus system exists in this valley? Aha, uh -huh, the rest of you are infidels. You don't believe it exists, huh? I've seen it. The Metro bus system, it passes by here and it's wasting our tax dollars with two people inside. And it goes up there and it goes over there. I know it exists. The Metro bus system exists. I believe it exists. Raise your hand again if you believe it exists. All right. I got some converts. Okay. <clears throat> now, how many of you trusted in it today? Nobody's trusting in it. I don't care if you, I'm not make, making fun of you if you don't. Now, don't raise your hand now. How many believe the Bible's true? All right. No, don't raise your hand. How many of you trusted in it today? <laughs> raise your hand anyways, Cassie. That's good. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like people have the Bible like, just like I believe the Metro bus. Yeah, I see it out there. Yeah, I don't need it. I've got my own way to get around. I know it's out there, and it's provided for through my tax dollars. It's but I'm not going to trust it. I'm not getting on it. And people treat the Bible that way. I know the Bible's there, and it's good, and yeah, I see it, but I'm not trusting in it. i got my own way to get about the day and fumble my way through life. See, I need to humble myself and, and rely on the, 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 the thing that God gave me. He's provided this and trust in it today, every day. Trust in this, and it's, and it's, a, it's, it's strengthening. So how does Christ strengthen us with His Word? Number two, He strengthens us just by His grace that He just sheds upon us. His grace. Look at 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. 
We're told to be strong in this. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2 Timothy 2.2. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the help of God, the free help of God. 2 Timothy 2.2. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then um, 2 Corinthians 12.9. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it. 2 Corinthians 12.9. Paul says, when I'm weak, then His grace makes me strong. 2 Corinthians 12.9. He said unto me, and my grace is enough. It's sufficient. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What did he say in verse 9 at the beginning? My grace will make you strong. My grace, my gift of help outside of yourself will make you strong. I, um, number three, let's just move along here. Number three, we could say more. How does Jesus strengthen you? How does he strengthen you and I? He strengthens us with his word. He strengthens us with his grace. And he strengthens us by his spirit. We've read that. We've read Ephesians 3.16 that he would strengthen you with might by his spirit in the inner man. And then look in Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, he talks about being made strong, not in and of yourself, but receiving power, not obtaining power, not cultivating power, not finding the power within you that you have, but receiving power. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive it. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. I receive strength from God. And what happened in the book of Acts where otherwise normally un, uh, common men without, com, without um, unusual strengths, showing unusual strength because they had the Holy Spirit. Do you read, have you ever read the book of Acts? One of the things in the book of Acts is all the the kind of the religious elite and some of the political leaders in the Jews' day saw Jesus' apostles and some of the early church members and said, what's with these people? Aren't they ignorant and unlearned men? They didn't go to college, don't have degrees and stuff. And look at this, there's something powerful here. Not that they were all accepting it, the, the opponents, but they acknowledged there's something powerful here. And then eventually it says, and with great power, God gave them uh, grace and to, to, to show the resurrection and what I'm saying is God gave unusual power to just common people by His Spirit. And that's what we need. That's what we need in our life. That's what I need. And I can do that. And I can do the demands of life through Christ which strengtheneth me. This is, again, one of those things where quit saying your personality. Quit blaming your personality on stuff. That's just not my personality to be this. Say, pray, I can do this through Christ which strengtheneth me, even if you haven't embrace that thing in your personality for a long time. Do you believe this personally? Do you believe you can do what, what Paul's doing? And what Paul, believe that. You're not in a prison, but you might be contained in some other way. Um, do you believe, can you say that like Paul says that? Or is it only confined to a few moments in sports? That's what, we need this right now. The greatest thing, though, is we are weak before God in our righteousness. Romans 5, 6 says, For when 
we were yet without strength in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. So right now, a person, we naturally don't have any clout with God. Okay, I'm talking before you become a Christian. You have no clout. Romans says you are without strength. You have no strength with God. But in that, because you are weak, because you're weak, and you'll never survive dying and standing before God on your own. You'll be blown away into his, into his eternal wrath. So Jesus says, since we are in due, we were without strength in that, in due time, Jesus came and died for that ungodly. That's what makes us without strength is our ungodliness. And so Jesus died for me and died for you and died for our ungodliness so that he can make us strong. And if Colossians says that we can be complete in him, you're complete in him. It says, and he can make us holy and without blame, blameless before him, and that we can stand before God, saved and having his eternal life. That's the ultimate strength we need, is the strength of being saved by, by Jesus Christ.